Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. Real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I'm joined by comic co-host Lynn Coplitz. Lynn, welcome back. Hello. I missed you last week. I know. Oh yeah, sure you did. I heard you talking about how funny he was, how great it was. Punch the jerk. I think you'll like this subject this week. Where this this week, <laughs> it's, it, the topic is wine. Why would I like that? Neil? The science of wine. Wine is good. And we have special special interviews and special contributed commentary. And you know, wine goes back eight thousand years. Eight thousand years. I would think years. it would go even farther. Well, if it did, we don't know oh, okay. <laughs> how the cavemen were doing it. <laughs> they were too drunk to write it down. <laughs> That's right. It's all about what gets written down. And it just so happens this week, scientists confirmed the discovery of the oldest complete wine production facility ever found, dating back four thousand hmm. BC. And it's a cave in southern Armenia. And they found, now how do you know it was a production facility? Yeah. They found grape seeds and withered grape vines and, and the remains of pressed grapes and, and something that looks like a, a rudimentary wine press and, and, and all, the, all the trappings of a, of a wine production facility. You can find that in my apartment. That doesn't mean- <laughs> <laughs> Wine-soaked pot shards. <laughs> and... <laughs> So, what the heck is a wine-soaked pot shard? Well, you, no, no, the, yeah, you, don't say that like I know what that is. Okay, a no, wine-soaked no. pot shard. Well, no, no, no. So what you have? Facility. Broken pot fragments. You get you get stained wine stains on them. Oh, so it okay. means they they receptacles back then. They didn't have glass. I got so, and of course, ancient Egyptian murals show details of winemaking. And of course, there's the most famous reference of winemaking of them all: Noah of Noah's Ark fame. Oh, yeah. He was a winemaker, as described in the Bible. And it's 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 laid out. Well, they're trapped in that boat. <laughs> He's got How annoying. you got to do something. Landed on Mount Ararat, planted a vineyard, harvested grapes, produced wine, and got drunk. This is, the, this is what we know of the fellow. <laughs> so, you know, I interviewed a master of wine. You know about wa- master of wine? Is she a sommelier? She's a, well, she can be a sommelier, 
uh, not all masters of wine is a sommelier, uh, but but all sommeliers are masters of wine, right? No, no, one doesn't have to be the other, but a master of wine would make a very good sommelier. Sommelier, sommelier. <laughs> they to to become a master of wine, you have to study for three years, and you write a thesis, and you're tested over four days, and you have to identify thirty six wines blind in a blind tasting, where they cover it up, you can't see it, you don't know what it is, and you have to say what country is it from, what year is it from. What vineyard it's from, and you have to identify them. And only only 280 masters of wine in the world exist. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm just picturing me taking this test. Indiana <laughs> Mad Dog 2020. There you go. 1967. Vintage October. Yeah. <laughs> October. Okay. Tuesday. So uh, it was Jennifer Simonetti Bryant. She's a master of wine. And she visited me in my office up at the American Museum of Natural History. <laughs> and I, I want you to hear some of my conversation with All her. All right. Let's hear Jennifer how it begins. The there she goes. One of my greatest moments is when someone called me a wine Jedi. You're a Star Wars nut? I, I'm a Star Wars and Star Trek fan. Why don't you have a, a lightsaber, lightsaber <laughs> instead of just an ordinary saber? Because I don't think they actually exist. <laughs> I used to have one as a kid that lights up and glows in the dark and stuff like that, but yeah. it won't work on a champagne bottle. I actually had to use this method on a bottle. It was uh, an enormous bottle. It was an imperial. How many one, bottle equivalents is uh, there? Eight. Eight bottles. And the cork wouldn't come out. Someone got half of the cork out. The cork was breaking. The cork was breaking. So half mm. of the cork was still inside the bottle. Bad situation. Yeah. And so it was a dangerous situation. And I happened in my office to have the saber. And I saved the day, <laughs> actually. And I took it out and, and sabered it. And, and so it was the only way to get it out, as opposed to Waiting, it was like a ticking time bomb. So were you like Jedi power woman? <laughs> I was using the force. <laughs> the force. I was using the force. Okay. And you're removing the foil. I'm What's with the foil? Why does champagne? Because have... it's pretty. Um, and actually, part of so the this is part of its of the legacy. Of well, the... part of the reason why they have the foil on too is so that you don't see how far they've filled it up because some are much higher than others. Okay. So, so it's kind of saving the bottling line. So it looks much prettier. So you don't prettier. think you're getting cheaped out by, you know, make a couple of Okay. So they're already trying to deceive us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now we've got the famous little wire cage. The wire cage. Yep. And it always takes six twists to take the wire cage. I'd never counted yeah. before. That is so geeky of you. Two, three, <laughs> four, four. Five. Six. It's six twists. Always. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And just so I know what the bottle is, this is a bottle of Brut Piper. Heidzik. Heidzik. Yeah. Very available, right? Very, very available. Very, and what, yeah. is, what did you pay for this? That's about $32. $32. Yeah. Okay. What you want to do? So she's holding the bottle in her left hand. Okay. Uh, whisper it, because okay. this is okay. obviously takes concentration. Okay. <laughs> Jennifer's got the bottle in her left hand. She lifts up the saber, mm -hmm. and she is... Oh. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't point it towards the door with a glass in it. <laughs> so she just knocked off the entire upper section of the wine bottle. The cork, the neck, and there's a smooth surface there. She launched it into my office and is hidden behind who knows where. But there's a wine bottle. You didn't even pull the cork out. The cork no. came off with the... Br you broke the glass. I broke the glass, yeah. And all you have to but do in a really smooth, clean way. I'm to told be that the longest launch was 177 feet. 
this is something geeks have to get together yes, and sir. beat. We gotta <laughs> we gotta do a, a football field length yeah, on that yeah. one. Now the bottle does it have to be especially cold or actually probably launch faster if it's warmer? Well, the problem if it's warmer is that it's more combustible, and so the glass can shatter. The entire bottle. bottle oh, so when it works, it's perfect, but when it doesn't, you're dead. Correct. Correct. <laughs> okay. So that was a bottle of champagne that we then had to drink because you couldn't recork it. And I didn't even know about this method where you take the top of a champagne bottle off if you had problems removing the cork, which is a problem I've never had before. I know I haven't. Everything, everything I ever drink has a screw-off top. <laughs> well, the pressure... <laughs> Even your champagne is a screw-off top. Absolutely. My champagne's just wine with a little sparkling soda in it. <laughs> so inside the champagne bottle is, is 90 pounds per square inch of pressure, which is about six times that of ordinary atmosphere. So it's dangerous. It's da She's right. If it's too overpressured, you can shatter the entire bottle. So, in fact, you want to cool down the champagne as much as possible to reduce the pressure inside. If it's a warm bottle, it's trying to bubble itself out, and it creates ah. much higher pressure. If you have a hot bottle. That's interesting. Yeah. So, and and it's been measured. The cork can fly out at 25 miles an hour. It could put an eye out. It could put an eye. <laughs> well, isn't that the end of a dinner party? <laughs> Your guest has to come back with a patch on. Thanks for the champagne. And there's some other cool physics uh, about uh, wine glasses. You know, you've seen the maybe TV commercials where someone sings, a soprano sings and shatters the glass. Yeah. That's actually possible to do. Particularly with really? Yeah. Yeah. What you do, there's certain frequencies of sound where the wine glass resonates. It vibrates just at the same frequency as your voice. And if you then increase the volume of your voice, the vibrations get bigger and bigger, and it reaches a point where the structure of the glass can't handle it, and it just shatters. Okay, now I know a little bit something just because I watch the Food Network way more than anyone should, but about what people are looking for when they're looking at champagne. But what are they looking? I mean, when they're looking at wine, but what are they looking for when they look at champagne? Because you see them hold it up and they're looking at the bubbles. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so bubbles matter, and bubbles are good. Uh, that's part of what that celebration is. And it turns out that bubbles help your body absorb the alcohol faster than it otherwise would. So, really? Yeah, so in fact, that explains a lot about prom. Well, well, so with champagne, you can get drunk faster, stay drunk longer, and then experience deeper perceptual impairments. What would normally happen? With, really? With champagne? Will above it make all. a woman look younger? <laughs> It'll make a woman look other things, but not. I don't I think younger. We need to get some in here right now and is, is a, it to our is uh, among cute them. little intern. So uh, let's continue with our my interview with Jen. Make you uncomfortable? No, no. Okay, no. go on. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Simonetti Bryant. On the desk. Uh, by the way, she's there are fewer female there are fewer female masters of wine than there are female astronauts. So she's a rare breed in the world for having Why this is talent. That? I, I don't know. Because they're lightweights, probably. Let's find out what she likes in wine in this next clip. What are you tasting? It's got the bubbles and the. It's got a nice color. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'll drink a little more noisily for the radio. Oh, you got a sip. Oh, there, there it is, cycling through your olfactory glands. Mm. Yeah, but the great thing about champagne, I love about this champagne too, is that you can taste autolysis or the autolytic character. Autolysis. Is a I assure you, there's no taste I've ever had where I thought to myself, this tastes like otolysis. <laughs> <laughs> that just has never come up. Never come up. <laughs> well, with champagne, it does come up because it's laid on its side for years in these, you know, really old uh, cellars underground. Mm -hmm. 
And what happens is you have the yeast cells, they die and their cell wall breaks down. And there's all these nitrogenous compounds and acetyl compounds that go into the champagne that give it that typical toasty Biscuity, toasty kind biscuity. Of, yeah, I like toasty biscuits. Mm-hmm. I had toasty some this, biscuits. this morning for breakfast mm-hmm. too. Yeah, so that's why champagne makes a good breakfast wine. Mm-hmm. I does. never thought about yeah. that. It takes you right through the day, provided you can resist putting the orange juice in. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I have to ask, what is the single favorite glass of wine you've ever had in your life? You know, I got to tell you, whenever life throws you a curveball, or you have a really bad day at work, or it's a really bad week, and you sit in there and try to remind, like, why am I doing this? Why am I in this industry? You're questioning your existence, the ontology of life. Ontology. Yeah, <laughs> and it's usually a white Burgundy that brings me back. Is it, that right? Yeah, it's white Burgundy that I and white Burgundy's made from Chardonnay, and um, so white Burgundy completes you. It does. Yeah, that's so beautiful. <laughs> How about you? Uh, me? You know, the evening comes to a close, mm. dessert's being served, and I got to reach for a sauterne. A sauterne. Very sweet wine yeah. to drink after a meal. And it just takes me to new places. Mm-hmm. And people think sweet wines, they think gummy, syrupy, and this, this is so not that. It's sweet without being gummy and syrupy. Have you so, tried Tokai? Yes, yeah. but it's a little... It has fewer dimensions in it Ooh, for me, unless I've been I haven't been drinking the you right. Been, to, been drinking the right ones. I, don't, I, I gotta I hang. I keep hanging out with you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Tokai's uh, is made in Hungary, so I went on a trip through Hungary and tasted some Hungarian Tokai that just rocked my world. So, Lynn, what's your favorite wine of all okay, time? Okay, first of all, the very end of that conversation was so she-she <laughs> queer. I couldn't even listen to it. The beginning was very scientific and very interesting, but the very end, I really like a good Hungarian blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And you're like, oh, really? I like, oh, is that what you lose yourself in? Is a glass of red blah, blah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean... <laughs> I'm just it, you know what? I like anything that's free. That works. That totally that's a works. A glass of free wine. That's delicious. Well, you know, about <laughs> about champagne, it is said of Dom Perignon. Have you ever had a Dom Perignon? Surely you've, I've had Dom Perignon. Well, I've had a ha- glass or two. Even if you haven't, you've certainly seen it in store windows. I've had it. It's rumored that the Dom himself, upon tasting this second fermentation that makes the bubbles, he said, I believe I am tasting the stars. Who was he? Wasn't he a monk? Yeah, he's a monk. But it's 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 rumored that he said it, but he probably didn't. It's only really traceable to an ad campaign back in the 1800s. I think I am drinking the stars. <laughs> I am licking the fans. I am eating the floor. I've dated Frenchmen. They'll say anything. <laughs> that's why that's why monks don't talk because they probably all got so drunk. <laughs> Dom, come here, Dom. Shut up and get back in bed. Oh, I'm tasting the stars. So you sound like you were there. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. I think I am drinking. That, that sounds like an ad campaign. Well, that's, so it? they th- we think it is traceable to that, but it's more fun to imagine that he said it upon first realizing. <laughs> I am drinking the stars. <laughs> but the wine has different. You know, there's now sh- I am licking the floor because <laughs> I drank too many stars. <laughs> All right, time for a break. Wine is complex stuff. We'll talk more about where wine gets its flavor when we come back. Working moms have way too many to-dos. Switch to H&R Block and have an expert do your taxes for you. Block guarantees 100% accuracy and your max refund or your money back. And with their no-surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even meet with a tax pro in a Block office 
or online from home. So take a breath, moms. This tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Description of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com us switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson here with Lynn Coppertz. But anyhow, let's get back to wine. That's Neil. So, Lynn, wine is not just some liquid in a bottle laying down. <laughs> <laughs> wine- you know, I wish I had a quarter for every time someone said that about me. It's <laughs> not some just chick in a bottle laying down. So, wine is a is a is a it's a it's a living product. It it's born, it ages. You create it with living living organisms and it gets bottled and it still continues to evolve and then like now now when they want wine to taste a certain way do they just go out and say like oh we're going to make an autumn wine so we need it to have some apricot and we need a pine cone in it and all that <laughs> no that's boone's farm where they put fruit in the wine <laughs> no they have fruit in well let's find out let's go, wine. let's go back to our to our special guest uh, jennifer simonetti bryan who visited me idiot. in my office at the hayden planetarium to talk about wine and how they make it. She's a master of wine. One of only 280 in the world. Here she goes. Okay. What's up with yeast? <laughs> <laughs> what? In general? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just have to ask mm-hmm. because it's in bread. Mm-hmm. It's in feminine commercials. It's in <laughs> wine. Okay? What is, what is going on here? No, I'm just trying to understand. Yeast shows up in the darndest of places. Yeah. So there it is in wine. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, as it's been described to me, mm-hmm. you have grape juice. Mm-hmm. You put in some yeast. Mm-hmm. The yeast likes the sugar, mm-hmm. turns the sugar into alcohol. Mm-hmm. And carbon dioxide. A carbon dioxide. And then the yeast dies in its own excrement. And that's yeah. winemaking 101. That's winemaking 101. Yeah, pretty much. So I got it right. You got it right. Yeah. And... If you leave those yeast cells, let's say like for a Chardonnay, 
You let it kind of sit there for a while. It'll take on a more creamy texture. There's there's things that they continue to excrete in so, order to provide so, to the wine. So it's not only the alcohol. about champagne, the same thing. So it's not only the alcohol. That's mm-hmm. just a bare minimum. The yes. rest are further nuances yes. that show up in the wine. Mm-hmm. Stuff from their cell walls make that toasty, biscuity character in champagne. It creates a creamy texture. These would be yeasts that have died. Yeah. Given their lives. And then it only lasts about two weeks, you know? Yeasts that have given their cell walls for your enjoyment. Wine drinking (laughs) pleasure. That is so wrong. Well, but also you have producers that inoculate with one specific type of yeast, and then you have those that just kind of let it go. They just kind of let, let see, nature let's do whatever do what it's going to do. And look, all, yeast is all around us and it's on the skins of the grapes as well. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of waxy film that you see on grapes. It's, you know, the yeast that's on there. Just let it do its thing. Because the, the premise is if you have one type of yeast, you're going to get a very predictable outcome. And that's what some white makers really like. But that means it'll never be truly great. Well, be- that's not necessarily true. Oh. But the philosophy is if you let nature do its thing, there are thousands if not millions of types of yeast and just like people we all operate differently look differently smell differently so do yeast so when you have that complexity of all of them working at the same time they all produce something different and so there's layers of flavors which we call in wine complexity um so that's kind of lends that philosophy that if you use indigenous or native yeast that it will add layers of flavors that you wouldn't ordinarily get so there's your there's your flavors for you, your oh layers of flavors. It's just so much fun listening to your interviews sometimes, especially the ones where you're being flirty. What do you know? Oh, Neil, please. No. What's up with yeast? <laughs> that is like the understand. most hilarious thing. She's an expert. So you're like, what's up with yeast? I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. And yeast is not only a ver- not not the only variable with wine. Because as you know, there's the ritual of pulling. Oh, sorry, you have screw tops in your life. <laughs> for, no, for I other know people. No, no. Playing. So there's cork has been the time tested choice of what it is to cork up a bottle of wine, and but cork has gotten a bad name lately because Why? sometimes cork fails. Cork is is this porous bark of a tree, and not most, always because they use plastic corks too. Exactly. So that we would just call them plastics. I guess <laughs> plastic cork is there's a cork tree, and it's the bark of the tree that is highly porous. That's why oh, it's very really? light. Yeah. It's a cork tree. Yeah. Where do you think they? Where do you think? Where, where do you think it came from? Or we just never thought about where. It I came don't from. know. This is a science show. It could be Monsieur Corco. Blah, blah, blah. He was a monk from Cork, Spain. I don't know <laughs> the town of French. Cork. The yeah. town of Cork. <laughs> no. So so with Cork, it's it's a bark of a tree, and they harvest it, and they use it. What's good about it is you can squeeze it, put it in the bottle. As the cork gets wet, it then Expand. expands and makes a perfect seal. Exactly. The problem is some corks have been misbehaving, and they've been transmitting bad chemicals into the wine, prematurely aging them. In fact, the very word to be corked of a bottle is meant it's been prematurely aged. So that's why they're now experimenting with plastic corks and screw taps, screw tops even for expensive wines. Now, why is it? So it's no longer a stigma. No longer a stigma to have a screw top. I know that. But it is a stigma if your wine comes in a box. I think that. (laughs) Uh oh, mom, put the box down. (laughs) Now, an interesting thing about wine in a box that most people don't appreciate, because it's, the wine is not actually in a box. It's in a plastic bag. In a kidney. It, it's in a, 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 a bag, a collapsible bag within the box in a spigot. Now, here's it's what's like interesting. like a big Capri Sun for grown-ups. Okay, yeah, yes. And so, so here's how it works. As you give yourself wine out of this bag, the bag collapses. No air gets inside the bag. 
So the wine stays fresh the entire, however long it takes you to get through the box. And so... <laughs> An hour. <laughs> well, <laughs> Until the soaps are over. <laughs> and, so, and, and so here's one of the biggest problems is for very expensive wines, people have tried to fake them and then put them up for auction. And so what, yeah. so what they're trying to work on now is special electric tongues, electronic tongues that can taste. <laughs> oh, my. Where does one get one of these? When? <laughs> if one should need one. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, too. So you put electric, and it can basically date the wine, and it can tell you. It could date a lot of people. It could tell you. How, <laughs> I know people car- who would date an electronic tongue right now. Neil. So through it, through. <laughs> Since wine is, was once alive, it has carbon-14 in it, and you can check the date of a wine very accurately. With, with They're working on these electronic tongues. With the tongue? With the silicon chip, it goes in and it tells you. That's hilarious. How old the, That's how, so dirty. How old you the wine is? that will be dirty. That will be used for dirty purposes. Possibly. It depends on It what. absolutely will be. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. So now, there's, a, uh, we, there's more to learn about wine. Uh, uh, Jennifer Simonetti, our, our master of wine, will, will tell us about... Uh, what the French do when they want to claim that their wine is unique in the world. Oh, they're gross. There's a French term called terroir. Well, doesn't it just read terror? Uh, no, with an I in it. Well, yeah. it doesn't terror, but with an I. I in it, Terroir. Yeah. I, okay. I think Jancis Robinson, who's also a master of wine, went through an airport that said terroirist, and she was stopped. But uh, this term terroir is referring to everything that has to do around the vine that makes those grapes from that vine taste the way that it does. So it's a word to... It's there's a no word. Tra- direct translation. It's yeah. a, it, so there's no English version of that word. And it's basically, it's the bin that you toss everything into mm-hmm. that you can't otherwise identify why it works. Sort of, but there are... Well, you just said, it's the yeah. soil, it's the grapes, it's the it's, sunlight, it's, it's the... the su- exposure. The exposure and, to sunlight. Yeah. It's all of that. Yeah. That's terroir. That's terroir. And also, but it's kind of debatable whether or not... The winemaker is also included within that element of terroir, or the yeast, because yeast is everywhere. And does different yeasts are all this, not all yeast is made the same. same. Exactly. So, does that relate to terroir? So, there's elements that people have different definitions, but it's that je ne sais quoi that <laughs> makes it taste the way that it does. Okay, get my French fix for the day. Oh yeah. <laughs> That was Jennifer Simonetti Bryan. And Lynn, mm-hmm. do you know French? Um, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. How do you say that? <laughs> petit, petit. Petit. All the French I know are from off the labels of French wines. And do you know that the French wine industry today owes its existence to grafted roots that were brought over back from America? They were, they, they don't, they're not quick to admit this, but their roots were, were completely decimated by a, a louse, which is called a root louse, that totally tore up their vines. And they destroyed them, basically. And our rootstocks are resistant to it. And so rather than use the entirety of our plants, they said, we're not going to take your grapes. We're going to just take your roots. So all Bordeaux and, 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 and uh, all the wines from that region are derived from American rootstocks. But they're not going to tell you. I'll tell you that, but they're not going to tell you that. But that means there's there's a hybridization of it, and now they're trying to do the same thing genetically. Rather than actually cut off a root and and glue it together, go into the genes of the grapes themselves and create genetically modified wine. And this is freaking some people out, you know, because they're, like French, they don't like Franken food. You know about this? The, mm-hmm. the genetically like the stuff that makes carrots huge and stuff. <laughs> What's wrong with the huge carrot? You got a Nothing. problem with that? Nope. Love <laughs> it. 
<laughs> just fine. What's a louse? Well, oh, well, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's not like head lice. It's lice that would attack the roots of... of That's of, what I want to know. So it's not the same lice? This is like special French lice? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't it's not- want to be on a head. I want to be on a vine. <laughs> I am a French louse. Right. So think about it. If you can genetically modify the, even their louse are annoying. <laughs> I guess you are not a francophile here. I've dated a lot of Frenchmen. Let's just leave it at that. Star Talk returns right after this. Welcome back to Star Talk. Lynn, we need to hear what your favorite kind of wine is. I, you know, I really love, you're going to laugh, but I really love like Chianti, like really dry red Chianti wine. Chianti works. But I can't, I can't drink it because I, I'm getting older now and I get, the, with the sulfites, my whole face turns is red. Is that right? Oh. I look like an old, drunken Irish woman. There's a lot of sulfur in the wine industry. They use it to, like, to stop the fermentation and to prevent mold and there's, it's all over. But I can, I can drink homemade red wine. My uncle used to make it because yeah, I'm Italian, so he would make it in the basement. And where, I could drink where that. did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Florida. And I was raised in, uh, you know, in the South and in Florida. In the South, my, where they my, make their own liquor. Lives in, no, but my uncle, my uncle lived in Long Island. Oh, I was okay. Born in Long Island. Oh, okay. And he made it down in the basement. He had an Italian guy. That's what they do. That's what they do. And was it good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for wine that was made in the basement and put in like a Sprite <laughs> bottle, it was delicious. <laughs> because there's a, there's a question for if we have long space voyages going forward, then you're away from home for years. A trip, a round trip to Mars will take at least three years. At mm-hmm. least, because you got to get there, that's nine months. And then you have to wait for Earth and, and Mars to realign in their orbits so that your trajectory can come back efficiently. And by the time that happens, it's three years. Will you go three years without the normal trappings of what brings pleasure to your, to your eating experiences? They make alcohol in prison. Everybody, everybody <laughs> keeps drinking. Nothing <laughs> keeps you from drinking. You know, they tried to slip some sherry onto Skylab, Skylab, uh, America's first space station back in the 1970s. And little, little sherry? Sh- sherry? Sherry. Sherry. old ladies on this? <laughs> <laughs> they were in packets, and they delivered them to the Johnson Space Center in Houston, and like in little juice bags. And but NASA, being a little a little trigger shy there, was afraid that maybe that might trigger some negative publicity for what what that was about. But also, do you know that wine odors can like make you sick if you're in zero G? Some people are extra sensitive to odors, wine odors in particular in zero G. But see, I would get sick even without the wine odors in zero G if I'm floating around. But some people it would trigger that, so they have to be very careful how they do this. And so, also because just the idea of calling the astronauts, like you know, are you guys there? Listen, we're gonna change the route. <laughs> <laughs> I lost at thumpers, so we're just gonna go take a look at Venus real fast. We'll be right back. <laughs> that would be bad, yeah. So we're in, we're also interviewing Jennifer Simonetti Bryan. She's a master of wine, and I asked her about just growing grapes in space and what what she knew about the technology of growing wine in controlled environments and let's see what she says interesting 
the big question going forward is whether the multi-year mission to Mars mm. that's being planned, mm. whether they're going to get to take wine. Wine. I hope yeah. so. Maybe not in glass. Maybe not. Maybe not. But if it's good, I'll if drink it. they can freeze it, it, you think? And, and, <laughs> well, no, because it takes energy to keep it frozen. Oh, that's true. Unless you're just hanging out the back, you know, roll down the window, <laughs> hang out in space. <laughs> it'll, free, it'll freeze. And then you put it towards the sun, and you can heat it up. It's, mm. a, it's your own fast thermodynamics out yeah. there. So that's an interesting question because the quality of life will matter. Mm-hmm. You want people to remain sane and happy. Mm-hmm. And if wine is a fundamental part of good living mm-hmm. and stable psychology, mm-hmm. then there might be some thinking about what wine they would take. And the good thing about the wine is it'll just get better. Yeah, it's true. For the TV show that I host, Nova Science Now, one of the segments that will soon air is on space food. Mm-hmm. And there's a push to try to grow vegetables hydroponically. Mm. on the trip to Mars because mm-hmm. you can't bring all the soil. It's just too complicated. Mm-hmm. So you get the right nutrients for the water and you grow the root system in the water. Has there been any attempts to grow grapes, winemaking grapes, in a pure water hydroponic environment? I'm sure there are. I haven't seen any results of that. Um, because if you do, then they'd have absolute control over the nutrients that the yeah, but part, roots are... Part of the problem with wine and part of the magic that is wine is that you cannot recreate a Sauterne. You can't recreate a Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. For some reason, you just can't create it in the lab. What you're saying is they're not there yet. No. And so they're susceptible to crediting all manner of things most, if not all of which, might have nothing to do with the product. Mm-hmm. Yet, they've got to credit something to say, this is why that's good. Mm-hmm. Or this why this tastes this way here and a few yards away. away. You, a few yards meters, away. Meters, that's very yeah. good of you. Meters. You, meters. Yeah. <laughs> a few yards away that it tastes very, very different. <laughs> so she's, what we're learning here, the wine is just really complex, more complex than anyone admits that they can actually understand. What I like is that, you know, NASA, we've got satellites orbiting the Earth and is looking at Earth not only in, in visible light, with other wavelengths of light that sees things that the eye doesn't see. And so growers in California are teaming up with NASA to get satellite images of their vineyards that can detect chlorophyll levels in the leaves of the, of the grape, of the, of the, of the, the grapevines. Also detect other properties of the health of the crops that enables them to judge exactly when to pick. And exactly when to uh, prune, and so this is quite a quite a collaboration that's been unfolding as we go forward. And if NASA's got the satellites, I mean, why not? If it can help your 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 harvesting and your and and this is what you do, like uh, the harvest moon. It is time. <laughs> astronauts have called. Pick the wine. Pick the grapes. Yeah, I, I I don't think the French will use astronauts for this. That I don't. This I think I feel I feel like there's some major resistance to what it is that technology can provide. Yeah, the French have some weird French monkey that runs in the fields and <laughs> slaps himself in the head or something obnoxious. That's not the half of it. Uh, we went back to Gem- Jennifer Simonetti Bryan to talk about what the French actually believe in in oh. the manufacture of their wine. Is it a monkey? It might as well be, I think. But let's let... Jacques the monkey <laughs> slapping himself. <laughs> let's find out what that's all about. There's something called biodynamic viticulture, and it's done by less than 1% of vineyards all around the world. But the ones that you do see are primarily in France. The philosophy comes from a 
1920s Austrian philosopher called Rudolf Steiner. So there's a philosopher in the mix here. Yes, yes, there's a philosopher in the mix. Yeah. Never a good idea to base <laughs> your agriculture on a philosopher. It's been attempted in the past with yeah. great famous failures yeah, of this. You want? I think you want to base it on science? Well, I'm going to say I don't know if I believe in biodynamic viticulture, but I'm going to tell you the philosophy and what they believe. I'm here to listen. Here Go on. I will be open-minded, but not so open-minded that my brains spill out. Well, you okay. have to think about it because there are some incredible producers of biodynamic wines. You know, producers make some of the most expensive and luxurious wines in the world, and they truly believe this biodynamic viticulture contributes to making their wines weren't, even better. Weren't they making good wines before they started basing it on the universe? Yes, but they feel everything in your whole world is connected. So, it's, ve so, it's, so it's very new age. It's very new age. Yeah. Wow. So, well, so what do they do? What's an example? You have the parts of a vine. So you have your roots, your leaves, your flowers, and your fruit. Each one of these things relates to... Each one of these parts of the plant. Each of these parts of the plant, each of these four parts, relates to the four components of existence that's been throughout the ages. Air, water, earth, and fire. So and the famous Aristotelian elements. Mm -hmm. All the elements. And, of course, the music group from the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> and the fire. Right. So, <laughs> they um, left out the air, the hot air. I don't know what happened mm, to their air. That was their right. agent. Their agent. <laughs> Earth, wind, and fire. And there's air. Meet him. So, all right, so they've got these Aristotelian elements, mm -hmm. which we learned in the discovery of the periodic table of elements, right. that they're quaint remnants mm -hmm. of a distant past. Mm -hmm. That's right. The so four they, elements. Connect, they feel that they're connected. So during the descending moon cycle, that they see that where the sap from the plant goes into the roots, that's where they think that you can do pruning then, but you can't do other types of activities during that time. And then in the rising moon cycle, when the sap is rising, that's when you can do grafting and other types. So of rising moon, you mean waxing moon, waxing and waning, as uh, yeah. the moon grows to full and then right. goes back to new moon. So there's other elements that they bring in even the zodiac signs they're bringing they, in astrology too yes, they're bringing in astrology wow well. so it sounds like they really don't know why they make great wine <laughs> <laughs> that's what that sounds like to me i'm sorry yeah, well, it's a religion and they really truly believe that if you are doing something when the cosmos says it's a good day to do it then it makes better wine makes the wines age better longer so suppose the cosmos started whispering to them don't plant any crops this year <laughs> Don't. don't don't pick at all. <laughs> don't pick it. Let the grapes rot on the vine. Yeah. They're gonna say, you know, Cosmos is yeah. clueless. Exactly. This year. We gotta make money. <laughs> we gotta so biodynamique, it's weird, and that's not even the weirdest part. If you actually part the curtains, there's more going on there. So, for example, there, according uh, to this 1924 philosopher Rudolf Steiner, yeah, that's that. They're even more nuts than you now know. So right. there are nine biodynamique preparations. One of them is you're going to make a compost of cow manure and quartz and silicate, basically, and seven and you take seven medicinal plants and you prepare them in several ways. One of them is you put oak bark in the skull of a farm animal and then bury the skull in a watery environment over the winter and then dig it up and use the oak bark in the compost and then discard the skull. This is this is like something out of uh, you know out of medieval times. Another one put yarrow flowers in a stag's bladder wee, and wee, ha wee, hang this in the wee, 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 wee. in the summer sun. Then you bury it over the winter, oh. dig it up in the spring, mm -hmm. and insert the contents of the bladder into the compost, and then you discard the bladder. This is part of what they're doing, and so. And you ask me why I think the French are crazy. 
This is, you dig it up, you put the oak bark in the compost, you discard the skull, it will be ready in four days. So it tells me that... It's a monkey. And, it, and as long as they're still making good wine, I'm not going to stop them. I'm not going to stop them. But it's clear, if you look at the history of people trying to figure out how the universe worked, it's clear that when you're engaged in this kind of thing, you really don't know what's going on. But we'll be right back after this. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship. From a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential and through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Welcome back to Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson here with Lynn Coplitz. So, wine is just one of these amazing beverages that is reveals itself in all parts of culture, in all parts of rituals, and it's been with us forever. And we have 
a a we're going to introduce in today's program a new contributor to Star Talk Radio, Brian Mallow. Who you said hilarious? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's humorous. You're hilarious, Lynn. Anybody else is just humorous. <laughs> Neil annoys me when he does that. You know what, Neil? I'm going to start doing that around you. I'm going to go. This guy is brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant! He's like a genius. So Brian Mallow, he's 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 a scientifically literate comedian, and I'll just play him. Let's find out what I'll tell you. If he's hilarious. We'll find out what he has to say about wine and all that goes with it. Seems like every other day we hear of another study on the health effects of wine. But is it good for us or bad? One will say it fights heart disease. Another that it raises blood pressure. One says it increases lifespan, another that it increases the risk of cancer. It's enough to drive you to drink. No other beverage has quite the same stature as wine. Sure, beer is more popular, but you don't drink beer at mass. At classy restaurants, only wine gets its own special menu. And some people even have special climate-controlled chambers in their home, wine cellars that monitor the temperature and humidity for the slightest fluctuation. Well, not even the baby's room has that. Now, I'm no connoisseur. I'm not a whiny or a wino or whatever you call yourselves. I prefer a handful of grapes to a glass of wine. So I wondered, why is wine so intoxicating? What has it done to deserve such devotion? Well, I was surprised to learn that a case can be made that wine has helped save more lives than Superman. You see, although humans have been making wine for thousands of years, the process wasn't fully understood. Until the 1850s, France's wine industry was in trouble. Wine was spoiling, profits lost. They called in chemist Louis Pasteur. Like a superhero, maybe they shined a giant spotlight into the sky with a Bunsen burner or a microscope. And he answered their call. Pasteur made some remarkable discoveries. The fermentation that changes the sugar in grapes to alcohol is not merely a chemical process, but a biological one. Yeast is a microorganism that eats sugar and excretes alcohol. Today, a billion-dollar industry is based on the waste product of a microbe. And a different microbe was causing French wine to go bad. Pasteur figured out a solution, a heating process called, coincidentally, pasteurization which would later be applied to milk and cheese, canned food and juices. He also realized and was able to prove that microorganisms are the cause of various diseases, and this led him to develop vaccines. So that's how a problem with the French wine industry led directly to the development of the germ theory of disease and to modern health practices like disinfecting surgical instruments, vaccinations and pasteurization, which have doubled the human lifespan giving us that much more time to drink wine. So the next time you raise a glass, take a moment to remember Louis Pasteur, super chemist, and the little unsung heroes, the yeast, the true microbrewers, then and now. And if someone gets snooty with you, remind them they're drinking yeast pee. For Star Talk Radio, I'm Brian Mallow. Yeast pee. pee. There you go. Oh my god. Okay. Yeast pee was funny, but that's <laughs> Brian Mallow. So he's he actually does uh, conventions and things. So yes, uh, he does. What? So he's gonna. We're gonna hear from him again in future shows. I then. hope so. Well, he'll be there. So you realize you ever, ever hear the French paradox? Neil's trying to replace me with yeast pee. <laughs> Lynn, you are irreplaceable. What is the French paradox? The French bathing par- and existing. <laughs> 
the the French paradox, and, and, and it's generally called – there are several variations on it. One of them is the Mediterranean diet that's very rich in cheeses and in and other fats. And the French diet is rich in butter and all these things that would normally clog your Chocolate arteries. Chocolate and red wine. Yeah, all of these things. Well, it's in particular the high fat content of their foods. Yet – they have some of the lowest incidence of heart disease compared with other nations that don't have this. And so the question is, what is different about France compared with other parts of the world? And people found that if you have a healthy, healthy dose of red wine, that this combats, this may combat these, uh, these other factors that would put your health at risk. But the problem is these are all epidemiological studies, which means you can't herd everyone into a room and force them to eat one thing or drink something and then test them later. You have to get them sort of in their situation. And so the control on the data is much, much less refined. And it oh. may be that the people who drink beer are not as highly sort of economically privileged as those who drink wine. And those who drink wine then have a greater sense of their health. So it could be just a correlation rather than a cause and effect. Oh, maybe. That still needs to be determined. Can't we just take a baby and start, like, as it gets old enough to drink wine, just study it? I guess so. <laughs> like a little six-year-old French kid? I think there are laws against that. And then get another one, give that one six-year-old French kid beer and the other one wine. Stick him in a box and just <laughs> test him the whole time. That would and be an, cheese and a, butter. An ideal, undoable experiment. <laughs> But I happen to like butter, you know, and, and who, who do, do you remember that TV show, The Two Fat Ladies? It was a cooking show. They were <laughs> Don't called, look at me when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> it was called The Two Fat Ladies yeah. or The Two Fat Chicks or something. It was some, some, and they were, they were chefs. They were like celebrity chefs. And one of them died of, of lung cancer, but not of anything related to her physical health. She was 71. And they were really large, and they rode a motorcycle. That was a it was a odd thing, but they they would be slathering their food with sticks of butter. And ever since then, okay. I've I've tripled my consumption of butter. My friend Paula Dean. Paula Dean puts a lot of butter in everything. Butter's good. You say how much, Miss Paula? And she goes just until there was enough. <laughs> when is that? How do you how do you judge that? I don't, until it doesn't taste good anymore. I don't know. Well, there until it like starts. Until my pants out. split down the back like they did today. <laughs> is that what happened to you? Yeah. Okay, I'm not going I won't comment Out of on butter. that. I won't it's too much butter. All right, that's it for this episode of Star Talk. Thanks, Lynn, and as always, I bid you to keep looking up. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world... Every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. 
Steria University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.